But Oz never did give nothing to the tin man That he didn't, didn't already have And cause never was the reason Good evening, everybody. Welcome to a brand new segment. A brand new, almost spinoff, if you will. Um, my name is Alex from The Right Hash. Uh, follow me on Twitter at T-E-N-M-A-N-J-O-N-E-Z. That's Ten Man Jones on Twitter. Um, and you guessed it, based on my Twitter handle, the name of today's segment and going forward is Ten Minutes with Ten Man. So the idea of this is just to kind of, in the middle of a week or, you know, Big, big news days where maybe Luke or I can't get together for a full show or one of the two of us has more relatability to the news that's going on, like today. We're going to find just some quick way to hop on, make a quick show, and uh, just kind of go through what has happened. So, uh, without further ado, again, Alex, follow us at the right hash on Twitter Follow me directly at 10ManJones, T-E-N-M-A-N-J-O-N-E-Z. If you like really, really low quality, iffy wordplay, uh, hot takes that are cold. Um, and if, if you just like laughing at idiots on Twitter, I'm probably a good follow. So um, go check me out. Check out my... my uh, esteemed co-host Luke Ned Carney, um, on Twitter as well, uh, he, he has, he has two, I believe, one of them, um, is the one you can follow, I mean, if you're following at the right hash, you're, you're in the right place anyway, but, um, Luke, he, he, he likes to, uh, he, he, he likes his hot takes, you can follow him at Radio Nad Carney, Last name is N-A-D-K-A-R-N-I. Um, that is his his professional Twitter. That is where you'll catch his broadcast information or um, some other sports talk that he does there. So that's a good way to get connected with both of us. Two and a half minutes into this ten minutes and it's just been me talking about the show. But I wanted to, to, to get out in front of it and just let you guys know where we're coming at with this particular type of content, just a really quick, digestible uh, 10 minutes. So, the last 24 hours for me have been really, really busy, and in re honestly great ways. Um, first things first, a little over 24 hours ago, Tennessee basketball won its first SEC tournament title since 1979. That was a good almost 20 years before I was born. Um... Uh, John Fulkerson wasn't even in college yet. He's he's a freshman in 1980, so, um, you know, that's how far back that goes. A, a massive win. The annoying thing is it doesn't seem like anybody seems to give a shit. Um, the committee clearly didn't care. Tennessee came in what I think is criminally underseated. Um and if the AP poll that came out today is any indicator, uh, we are all very justified in being upset with the committee's incompetence and being able to correctly seed 
the top 12 teams in the nation. They can, they couldn't even rank the top 12 teams right. That's how sad this is. They, they couldn't even get past the first 10 teams before they fucked up. Um, here's the thing I want to say for, for Vols fans, though. We got a better draw. If we got Duke's two seed, it's a much worse draw all the way to the title than it is where we drew. We already know we can beat the one seed in our region. We've already beaten Arizona. We know we can beat Villanova. Villan- Villanova is probably our most embarrassing game we've had all year. If I had to just, if I had to pick one, maybe maybe Villanova. Um, but we are such a different team than we were then from the at the guard position. Um, and the injury to Olivier, while it seemed to be uh, you know a nail in the coffin on the season, so to speak. If anything, that was the that was the catalyst for everything turning around. Um, rotating new post players in seemed to, I don't know, unlock something within our guards that they just started seeing the floor a little bit differently. Now, that's not to say we've been blowing teams out of the water. That is absolutely not the case. We are still a, a, a really a low-scoring team, especially for modern basketball. But when you're in an SEC title game and you hold the other team to 50 points... You don't have to be that great on offense. You need to hit your open shots, make free throws, and don't turn the ball over. And and a a majority of those things are what Tennessee has improved upon in the last two weeks. I mean, they've improved so much since when the first um, rankings were released for uh, seeding. And Tennessee was ranked as uh, 11th in the country at that time. Um, you get seven quadrant one wins, including the SEC tournament, and it moves you up one ranking. You just kind of you kind of look sideways at at them and say, "What the?" Joe Lenardi couldn't even form sentences because it was so absurd. And I I hope folks do cool it on Joe Lenardi a little bit. Like the guy's just doing his job predicting what the tournament committee is going to do. For sure, he has someone. He's in someone's pocket in there. He knows exactly what they're going to do. Your issue shouldn't be with Joe Lenardi. He's just the one who got asked about it because he's the one they trot out on ESPN talking about it. He even said he has the balls in his Final Four. He, it, it, they, they know it's 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 a, a ridiculous seeding. Everybody who has looked at a bracket or looked at the metrics know it's ridiculous. Um, but I say all that to say we're SEC tournament champions, and if you want to be a national title winner. It doesn't matter if you're a two or a three. You're going to have to beat teams that are perceived better than you um, the, the whole way, okay? Uh, so en- enjoy the tournament. Enjoy the championship. Go back and watch it. Go back and look at the, the, the celebration, the net uh, cutting ceremony, the trophy presentation. Everyone should eat that up. That is what we as Tennessee fans have been dying for for the last... I don't know what since 1998 basically that's not 1999 I guess physically the year we won the title was the last major male hardware from from sports that's come in um just not not been a whole lot else I mean you've got some of the individual accolades like Grant winning player of the year three times and you know you, it, there, there there is a little bit of hardware there but nothing nothing from a champ nothing that says championship on it so big a, a a massive 
corner to turn for Rick Barnes in this program. Hopefully this just keeps compounding itself in a way that we kind of saw like Chris Beard in Texas Tech a couple years ago kind of come out of nowhere and storm all the way to the Final Four. I'm thinking I can see the same thing with this Tennessee team, but I've only got a minute and a half to talk about the rest of this. So, uh, real real quick, um, a lot of people in Vol Country are also Braves fans, so the news did come through today. The Braves are trading for Matt Olson. They're trading Christian Pache, uh, Shea Langliers, um, and two of our top farm pitchers. Um for Matt Olson from the Athletics. Matt Olson is going to be on a two-year deal already, so we don't have to worry about anything yet. He's five years younger than Freddie. By pretty much every measurable statistic, had a better year than Freddie Freeman did last year. Um, and he's an he's an Atlanta guy. Um, at at the end of the day, this is this was Freddie's decision. This wasn't the Braves' decision. Um, if the Braves did not move on signing Freddie Freeman, bet your ass it's because there was no reasonable reason to do it i can tell you that much if there is one thing if there is one management team of all the all the sports that i follow of all the teams that i love that i'm confident in it's this braves management staff with alex anthopoulos at the helm bringing in the right guys for the right price yes we had to give up a lot to go get matt olson but Outside of Langliers, not those guys weren't going to be seeing the field much. That that those are the positions where we have organizational depth. Um, we don't even know if Christian Pache was going to be the outfielder that separated from him and Drew Waters. Um, we you know uh, the 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 two pitching arms, I, they're they're great pitchers, but are we already have so many young pitchers that we can't fit them all in hardly, so. I know it's not a reason to trade away future assets like those guys still have value, but at the end of the day, we're getting a top five first baseman in all of baseball for some prospects. One of them who's our top prospect has not panned out yet. As good of a defensive uh, prospect as he is in Christian Pache, his bat leaves a lot to be desired. And it's not to say he can't get there. He's still very, very young. The ship has not sailed on him in any form or fashion, but... The Braves have a team right now that has got to win. It has to win as much as it can while it has Albies and Acuna on ridiculously cheap deals. And it can't hurt itself going into the future by giving an older first baseman too much time on his contract. It's a it's a great way to wind back up with Freddy Gonzalez as your manager and having to pray that a 19, 20-year-old kid stays until he's 30 before you can win again. That's what got us in the problem in the first place, was making emotional decisions. And I I, I give all the credit in the world to Alex Antopoulos and everyone in the in the process because I know they did not want to do that. And I, we, if you've seen the video of Alex Anthopoulos talking about it, that guy's fighting back tears talking about how this is the hardest decision he's ever had to make. And I, I fully believe him. Um, this is probably the hardest decision that Braves country has had to come to terms with in re- really maybe my my Braves fanhood lifetime since the um I've been following since about 2004 2005 uh, when I just really started getting into baseball uh 
I mean, a- Andrew Jones was kind of that way for me, but even then, I mean, he he wasn't. A- Andrew Andrew Jones was always like the the Robin, the Chipper Jones Batman. Even when he, you know, had the home run trophy, uh, I mean, Superman in in center field. Like I said, he's my favorite player, but he was never he was never to the level that Freddie is in the community in in Braves country's heart. That's not to say anything bad about Andrew Jones or that he was undervalued at all. It just, he was never like that. So I'm, I mean, Chipper retiring, I guess, but that's still not even a decision. This is the first real decision that I think has been made in the Braves franchise that has been this difficult all the way around. Um, and at the, at the end of the day, Freddie Freeman's the reason Freddie Freeman's not here. Um, I have nothing bad to say about Freddie Freeman. Freddie stayed here, and he brought us all what 14 straight division titles was barely able to bring us, and that was that that that's a that's a World Series trophy. You're still currently sitting World Series champions uh, because Freddie Freeman stuck it out with the Freddie Gonzalez Braves. And going last place, last place, last place, year after year after year. You cannot say anything bad about Freddie. Sometimes, it's you. You, you ever you ever hear those like stories of divorce and the parents are you know like sometimes it's just better for parents to be friends than it is to be married. And sometimes it's just like legitimately true. Like two people are not meant to be married, but they're they're good enough to you know, be friends or text. That's kind of how this this had to go, okay? It was in neither party's best interest to agree to that deal. Um, it is not in Freddie's best interest to agree to what the Braves are bringing to the table, which was a shorter-term contract than what Freddie want. Uh, reportedly a little bit less money as well than what he was hoping for annually. Um, and that's, that. it's, it's a longer contract. I know you say, oh, it's just a year. Why are we letting Freddie go for a year? Well, you had to take into account that he's had health issues every single year. He's been a brave basically, except for last year. Um, his health reasons are pr- pr- probably a contributing factor into why we didn't win the world series the year before as well. Um, not, not that there is not too much that you can say about Freddie and what he means to the Braves overall. I hope Freddie retires as a Brave. I hope it's one of those things where he signs a one-day contract to retire a Brave. He will forever be a Brave, no matter if he goes and wins World Series after World Series with the Dodgers or the Mets or whoever. But let it be known, this is his choice. He 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 chose to take money and a longer-term deal than signing and staying with the Atlanta Braves. Right, wrong, or indifferent. It, it it does it doesn't matter now. That's what he, as a as a male human being, I'm sure as a female human being, Chelsea and him had a discussion. This this wasn't just Freddie. Freddie's not just making a him decision. He's won an MV, He's won a National League MVP and he's won a World Series title. This guy's done everything that you can in a baseball uniform. For the I mean for for the, for the mo- most part, wide majority of things. He, he's accomplished. Now he can go where he wants. He can go to a team that's already loaded, where he doesn't have to be the workhorse that everyone relies on. Um, he, he can go live in California. He can go 
get paid a shit ton of money in New York. You know, he he he's he's earned it. He's he's earned that freedom. You know, if you'd go back into 2012, 2013 and tell yourself, "Hey, we're going to lose this guy after we win a World Series and it's going to break your heart, but you're going to win a World Series and you're going to have enjoyed this guy the entire way." I I I would take that. Um I've I've enjoyed having Freddie on the team so much. It's been the the cornerstone for everything up until really Acuna and Albies came on to really start giving him some help. What you watched every week was Freddie Freeman and, you know, towards the, you know, end of Chipper Jones's career as well. That was all that there was to watch. So I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that the Braves are doing things intelligently rather than emotionally. And I think in six months, a year, two years, when Braves country looks back over this. If you don't agree with it now, I think that you will look back and say, yeah, you know, as hard as it was, they did the right thing by the franchise, by the fans, and putting out the best possible product you can and on a consistent basis. And that this goes into that consistent basis part. You're probably not going to notice the difference between Matt Olson and Freddie Freeman in the first year or two. I'm just going to tell you that, you know, there's going to be things that Matt Olson does better. There's going to be things that Matt Olson does worse. Um, probably not going to notice it in year two or year three or uh, year one or year two. But when year three and year four roll along, start paying attention to what Freddie Freeman's doing then and what Matt Olson's doing then. That's when you're going to notice the move that the team made. Okay. And that's why it takes humongous balls for them because you, we are not going to know right away if this was the right decision. And I, I'm sure Kristen Pache is going to have great games um, in Oakland at some point, Langler's as well, and it's going to make everyone question if it was the right thing to do. And may, maybe that is something that gets called into question fairly. But where it sits right now, baseball is a game about probabilities, and the probability of Freddie Freeman lasting another five or six years at his level, what he wants to get paid, is not very likely. And what Matt Olson is doing is a lot more sustainable because he's younger. Um, also, he's an Atlanta guy. So these folks out there who are a little bit upset about Matt Olson, go go do some digging on him. I think you're really, really going to like what the the team has brought in to replace Freddie Freeman. It's not just replacing him with someone who can maybe make up the same, you know, make up the difference at the plate or in the field. To, to replace his contributions. It's not just that. You're, you're replacing someone in a clubhouse. You're replacing someone in a community. Um, and I think Matt Olson is a, is a really, really, really good option when you're trying to fill the void that Freddie Freeman is going to leave. And I, I guess we're just doing 20 minutes with 10 Man today. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to stretch this real quick because the last thing I want to talk about is my Jacksonville Jaguars and the free agency spending spree they've gone on today. Um, just just to give a quick recap of where we are now, roughly 6.30 on Pi Day, March 14th. Um, they have uh, a reported, of course, none of this is allowed to go official until I believe Wednesday or Thursday at 4 o'clock. But uh, Brandon Sheriff from uh, Luke's Washington Commanders, uh, signed him to a uh, a longer-term deal, four or five years. Um, Foyer uh, Oluwakin 
I'm going to have to get some of these uh, these names down. But uh, led the NFL in tackles last year out of Atlanta. Um, pair him nicely with Miles Jack. Uh, new defensive coordinator, Mike Caldwell. Had a lot of success with a guy named Devin White when he's in Tampa Bay. So this is going to be like between Miles Jack and Foyer. That he, that's going to be... He, he's, he's a bigger guy. Um, and in a, in a division with Derrick Henry twice a year, it's, it's going to be nice to have a bigger guy at linebacker, uh, especially a, a run stopper in a division with Jonathan Taylor as well. So, um, like those, we picked up, uh, this guy named Fatu, Fatu Kasi from the Jets, uh, interior defensive lineman, three-year deal, uh, a nice filler, you know, cr- crazy stacks, stats, you know, that they're not there. Um, three career sacks, couple of tackles, but there's, they're, they're signing him up to move him around and to be a space eater, to take up two offensive linemen and to just clog holes. Again, you're in a running division, Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry, line of of scrimmage on the defensive line is huge. Um, the, the, the big deal that's getting chastised all over the NFL today is this Christian Kirk deal. Um, four year deal. Keywords here, worth up to $84 million. Not even half of that's guaranteed. There's plenty of outs for the Jaguars after two years. Uh, the salary cap hit this year, I believe, is going to be in the neighborhood of $10 million, 10 to $15 million, um, which is, is fine. I mean, it's it may seem like an overpay for Kirk, but um, I've, I've been high on Christian Kirk since he was at Texas A&M. And I've liked what he's done in Arizona. Uh, he's not had the best luck with what, while he does have a quarterback, I'm not so sure he fits the play style of that quarterback whatsoever. Um, especially when that quarterback is really not mentally checked in or physically able to play. So I don't, I don't think we've seen Christian Kirk yet. If you watch the tape, he, he, he has uh, more drops than you'd like, especially understanding what the Jaguars receiving core was last year, but he gets open a lot. He makes contested catches a lot. Um, he had 77 catches last year, almost a thousand yards. And I mean, we're talking about with, you know, Kyler Murray in and out of the lineup, you know, in and out of his own head. Um, I, I really like to pick up. I don't, I don't know if it's going to be the Jaguars wide receiver one. They're paying him wide receiver one money. And the speculation is that pretty much no matter what, the Jaguars are going to go receiver at the 33rd pick. Um, the The question mark is now, do they bring in another wide receiver like Allen Robinson to be more of what you would consider a traditional number one? Or are they going to let Marvin Jones be that and then draft a bigger wide receiver like a George Pickens or a Chris Olave, whoever falls to 33? You know, those are both big names. It's just hard. To, it's really hard to get a read on this draft. Um, and, and what's going to happen since it's weak on quarterbacks. You don't exactly know what some of those other teams are going to do. Um, but then, right before I came on here to record, and this will be the last thing I talk about, the Jaguars signed to a one-year fully guaranteed $9 million deal, $10 million deal, I believe, um, Evan Ingram from the Jets. So a nice prove-it deal for Evan Ingram, who I think is a fantastic pass catcher as long as we, you know, we, we still have Dan Arnold. Keep him as more of your pass-blocking tight end. Um, I'm really liking how things are shaping up. They're, they they are doing a good job filling holes with very quality bodies, I think. We're not talking about a Laquan Treadwell or 
Jamal Agnew, you know, signing defensive backs off of other teams' practice squads that only played special teams. Um, no offense to Jamal Agnew, as I had to jump on Luke earlier this week. Jamal Agnew was actually probably the best receiver for the Jaguars last year until he got hurt. And I think he's got a lot of staying power in the modern NFL. So, um, all that being said, thank you everyone for checking out this first episode of 10 Minutes with 10 Man. Now that I've explained it, I'm not nearly going to go as long-winded um, at the beginning or the end. But thank you for checking out. Let us know how you like the segment. And uh, again, follow me directly on my Twitter at T-E-N-M-A-N-J-O-N-E-Z. You can follow Radio Nad Carney to follow my co-host. And if you don't want to follow either one of us, please make sure you're following at the right hash on Twitter. Uh, We have a college basketball bracket challenge up right now. Uh, Free to enter. Winners getting 50 bucks to Amazon. So go sign up for that. Link is in the uh, the most recent tweet um, on the on the uh, profile. The jeez, Twitter. I can't even talk right now. Um, but anyway, thanks again, guys, for sticking with me today, and looking forward to chatting with you guys next time.